0: Abundance, abundance of love, abundance of, of grace, oh, oh, oh. down to that cross, you, you took my, my place. place, oh God, you paid my ransom, my ransom, my love, your love, you give up, abundant life, abundant life, Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people, now. Here's Pastor Scott. In Mark chapter 10, verse 28, the Bible says, Then Peter began to mention all that he and the other disciples had left behind. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. And Jesus replied, I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news, will receive now in return a hundred times over houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property with persecutions. And in the world to come, they will have eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, Be Blessed Now. Say now. Pray with me. God, thank you. For your word thank you for a right now word God thank you for a living word I pray now that you would anoint my mouth and my mind to say things that would honor you God give us ears to hear what you say to us today Lord I pray for every person in this room that you would let us lock in focus and receive from you today for your glory in Jesus name Amen be blessed now I just read to you a passage of Scripture out of Mark chapter 10. And these verses come right after uh, a time where Jesus was talking to what theologians call the rich young ruler. Some of you have been in church for a long time, you know the story of the rich young ruler. This is in the preceding verses, just before verse 28, where we picked up in the text. And this rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, What do I have to do to get eternal life? See, he wanted to know where to write the check. He wanted to know who to pay off. He wanted to know what little minimum thing he could do to make sure that he didn't die and go to hell forever. And Jesus ended up putting as he always does, his finger right on this dude's touchy spot. And the guy was materialistic, so Jesus said, all right, you want, you want this deal? Just go sell everything you have, give it to the poor. And the man left, the Bible says he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Now, some people take that to mean everybody needs to sell everything they have and give it to the poor. If that's your issue, then yes, you do. If alcohol is your issue, you need to give up your alcohol. If drugs are your issue, you need to give up your drugs. If whoring is your issue, you need to give up whoring. If fornicating is your issue, you need to give up fornicating. If, if stingy is your issue, you need to give up stingy. All right? So that, that's, that's the part of Scripture we come to. Jesus' has ju- or Jesus' disciples have just seen him tell this dude. And this dude was clean living because Jesus told him, you know, keep the commandments. Honor your mother and your father. Don't kill anybody. Don't steal, do it. And the dude's like, man, I've done all that. And here's the crazy thing, and I'm not here to preach that message, even though it's a great message. Jesus didn't correct him and say, oh, you're (laughs) front. Jesus didn't correct him and say, you haven't done. That dude was a clean-living, straight-up dude. And he had had, had lived a, a good life. But Jesus told him the one thing you lack is you're greedy. You're materialistic. You need to get rid of all that. And then when he left, the disciples were watching that, and they were thinking, wow, that dude ain't going to heaven. And Jesus let them know that it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to go to heaven. And a lot of people have used that verse to beat up on rich people. Listen, they're going to be rich people in heaven. Solomon was the richest man to ever live. Abraham was the richest man to live in his time. Job was the richest man to live in his time. The Apostle Paul, who wrote over half the New Testament, at times was one of the wealthiest people in his community. At other times, he wasn't. So it's not a discourse on money. It's a discourse on where your heart is. And so Jesus told this man what he had to give up to truly be saved. And so then we pick up the story uh, in verse 28. Um, the man, he wouldn't, he wouldn't follow Jesus because he loved his stuff. And this is where Peter jumps in with his statement. We've given up everything to follow you. Peter started listing what they had done because Peter's a guy who's always working an angle. We got people like that in here. Uh, listen, everybody was like that as a child. You wonder where your children get that con artist spirit? You wonder why your children always working you hard for the next thing? Uh, they got that somewhere you're like, oh, that must have been from their husband or from their father because they didn't get that from me. Uh, it might have been from their grandfather, but either way, Peter starts listening to Jesus as if Jesus don't know what they've done if you don't hear anything else, here it is: Jesus knows all about your trouble. Is that right? Jesus knows everything that we've done for him, but see it's not rehearsing what we've done for him that will really bless you let me just get to the punch line right now if you start rehearsing what he's done for you then that's what's going to bless you in a much bigger way but you know as Peter did so many times we do the same thing people get it messed up and Peter had it a little out of sorts so Jesus uh, deals with what he said let's just go back through our text read through it again pull some points out of it Verse 28, then Peter began to mention all that he and the other disciples had left behind. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Now at this point, Jesus could have went into correction mode. And sometimes Jesus didn't, sometimes Jesus didn't. Sometimes Jesus lets himself slide. Sometimes Jesus put his finger on every point. But Peter began to mention all that he and the other disciples had left behind. I heard, I've heard this so many times, and I know some of y'all get mad when I bring correction to your favorite preacher. Listen, the truth's the truth anyhow, uh, and everybody can be wrong. But I've heard people say for years, you need to remind God about his promises. You need to preach the word to the Lord. Uh, what? You don't. God knows. His, you need to remind yourself of his promises and preach the word to yourself. Peter's got it a little bit wrong right here he begins telling the Lord all that they've been through and I want to tell you something you ought to be able to relate to Peter Peter is one of the very relatable people in the Bible Uh, and I say that because he messed up so much and we can relate to that nobody in here can relate to always doing the right thing but we can relate to a guy like Peter who messes up all the time puts his foot in his mouth talks before he thinks gets corrected publicly, Uh, all these things are very relatable, and Peter starts telling the Lord everything that they had left behind. And he said, we've given up everything to follow you. Now, I want to go out on record and say, that ain't so. I've read the book too many times. They didn't give up everything, and they certainly didn't give it up right away. They went through a process of sanctification that you and I need to be going through where we're giving up And we're giving up and we're giving up and we're giving more to god of ourselves more to god of our of our lives and our possessions and our time and our talent and he tried to make it bigger than it really was don't become a martyr in your mind peter ended up being a martyr peter died for his faith in christ peter loved the lord so much and had grown so much uh he went from being a timid person in his faith to, uh, that denied Jesus three times, even pronounced a curse on himself, saying that I don't know that man at all, uh, and, and cursed a little girl out for saying that he knew that guy, Jesus. He went from being that guy to dying for his faith and loving Christ so much. He said, "I don't. I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way my Lord was crucified. So hang me upside down." And that's deep. We mess around in this generation and say, I'm just going through so much persecution. They laugh at me at school because they know I go to church. Hey, that, 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 if that hurts your little feelings, then toughen up, Chuck. You, you you worried, you worried you got, your boss passed you over for a promotion because you don't laugh at his dirty jokes. Listen, th- th- there's forms of persecution that we go through in 2019, but I've never met anybody who died for Christ. It's still happening. They're still executing Christians around the world. We just live in a country where it's not happening yet. Keep, keep watching. Keep living. Keep looking at how they're eroding the fabric of uh, Christians. Keep, keep watching. And listen, it may just be your favorite political party that is anti-God. Sometimes I have to get a drink. <laughs> but Peter ultimately did give up everything. At this point, he was probably not as far along in Christ, as he was in his mind, he became a mind martyr. Don't fall into that trap. Don't sit around rehearsing all oh, the "woe is me." I've done all this for the Lord. I, I just I, I, and they never even recognize me. Pastor ain't been to my house. I ain't. I've been to three houses in this whole room. I'm one human being. Uh, people, people get mad. They leave. The, people get mad and leave the church. They're like, "I missed four weeks, and Pastor never came to check on me." Well, you're the one that missed. I was here. We met here. I'm not the one that switched up. You didn't come check on me. I'm the I'm the, I'm the I'm the single dad raising two kids with a broke back and a broke neck. People get martyred up in their own mind and 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 then they start acting like they've done more for God than God has done for them I want to I want to remedy that this morning and I want some of us to agree that God has done more for us than we'll ever do for him he's given up more for us than we'll ever give up for him and he's been through more for us than we've ever been through for him But Peter, he's working an angle because he just saw this solid together dude who lived a really clean life get turned away and told you ain't going to heaven. And he's like, yeah, but what about us? We've done all this stuff and we've given up everything to follow you. And instead of correcting at this point, Jesus goes in a different way in verse 29 and he replied, I assure you that everyone, say everyone, everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times over houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property with persecutions. So let's, let's back that up to verse 29. So Jesus replies to Peter, and he could go one way, but he goes to the heart of the issue, and he's like, look, I hear everything you're saying. You've given up some stuff to follow me, and that's cool. But here's the truth. Anybody who gave up stuff to follow me for my sake and for the good news. Now, the good news, when you hear the Bible or a Christian talk about the good news, that literally means... The, the good news about God sending His Son Jesus here to, to die, be buried, and raised from the dead for us. It's the, talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The word tells us that in 1 Corinthians 15, that the good news is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, if you've given up anything for me or for the gospel, good news is also, the gospel is another term for good news. It all relates to the death, burial, and resurrection of of jesus christ now notice jesus didn't say oh y'all are special because y'all gave up something for me so you're going to get special things in heaven no everybody hear me good everybody that comes to christ must give up something everybody that comes to christ must give up something the proof is in the pudding a lot of people think they walk and i pray a prayer and and that gives them real salvation it may or may not The Bible doesn't say uh, all, all those who walk aisles and pray prayers shall be saved. The Bible says that if you're really a Christian, that things will change in your life. Old things will pass away and all things will become new. There's a change that's mandated in the life of the real believer. If you haven't experienced that talk to some people who are truly saved and ask them, have you given up anything that you used to do that you don't do anymore? Have you given up anything that you used to be that you're not being anymore? There is a change process. There is a giving up something. There is an exchange where we give everything we are to God and he gives us everything that he is. And Jesus brings this assurance to his disciples and lets them know, if you gave up anything for me, or for the gospel, there, there's a promise to you. But look what the things that are being given up Giving up your house. But well, that's pretty deep. You don't want to be homeless. Uh, giving up your brothers or your sisters—that's pretty deep because even the Smiths and the Jones will tell you, y'all, y'all, y'all fight all y'all want to, but y'all better not mess with my brother or sister. We can fight with our own brothers and sisters, but don't let nobody else mess with them. He, he's reaching into the the most important things and relationships that we have mother or father children or property he's naming off all the big he's not asking for pocket change he's not asking for a little dabble do you he's hitting the biggest things and relationships that we can possibly have he said i promise you anybody that's giving up this stuff for me or for the gospel verse 30 says we'll receive now in return come pause on the punctuation always pay attention to the punctuation when you read the bible it'll help you understand it take it in bite-sized pieces get it down in your spirit he said if you give up anything you will receive now say now you will receive now in return there's a right now return for following god there is a right now return for giving stuff to god there's a right now return and you need to get a right now mindset because too many people are holding on for life to get good in heaven but there's a right now good thing coming your way if you will do what god tells you to do this is a right now promise most people that are saved at all live in misery in this earth, and and just, and I've had people tell me, how you doing, sister, Maybe, Well, I'm hanging on, just waiting on Jesus. That's no right now return. That's misery. That's gloom, despair, and agony on me. That's that's not what God saved us for. He said you will receive now in return a hundred times over. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you give up something? And he said, you don't have to wait till you get it. See, because a lot of us think, well, it'll all work out once we get to heaven. Well, that just sounds defeated to me. That sounds like you're not believing in a right now God. That sounds like you're not believing in Jehovah Shema, a very present God. That sounds like you don't fully understand all the promises that the Lord has given us. Because he said, not only will you get a right now return, but it's going to be a hundred times. Times over. You can't outgive God. You can't outsacrifice God. You can't give more to God than He will give to you. And we say amen to that, but I counsel people all the time who literally, whether they say it with their words, I try to get them to where they'll admit it and they'll say it out loud that they're just mad at God and feel shafted. Because that's the heart of the problem. People literally feel shafted. Well, I just don't know. My brother, everything's easy for him and everything's hard for Oh, you've been shafted by God. That's what you're telling me? Well, oh, well, so-and-so, just their, their, their life, everything goes right for them, and I'm over here serving up. Oh, you're working so hard for God, but he's not done enough for you in return. That's what you're telling me? You're shafted? You cannot be shafted by God. God is a giver. And God is a big giver. And God is never, and there's some people like this. There's some people who are just so generous, they just ain't going to let you outgive them. If if the church was taking up a special need offering and asked for $100, they'd give $500 just to make sure that the need got met. God is a big-time giver, and so he throws this big number at them a hundred times. Now, some of y'all try to do that math on uh, on your giving, listen, this is not a mathematical equation. This is a teaching moment. Sometimes it might multiply by a hundred, sometimes it might multiply by a thousand, but it's always gonna be more. Say more. He said, hey, You'll receive now a hundred times over. Personally, I believe that is figurative and not literal. I've seen liars on TV try to make it literal because they want money from little old people. They want money from somebody sitting at the house, desperate, don't know how to pay their rent, and then they'll come on TV and say, uh, God promised a hundredfold blessing. If You give $1,000 today, $100,000 is going to show up in your account. Now, it don't say that. And listen, don't give money to these liars. They're they're just there trying to steal from you. The Bible says on the first day of the week, you should bring 10% of every penny that comes your way into the storehouse, the place where you worship God and distribution is made to people who care, not to somebody flying around in jets and driving around in limos. Anybody who's got a $30,000 suit don't need to be preaching the gospel. They need to be hucking some product. Because that's what they're really doing. Their product is themselves and they sell it on TV. That's just free for you. Jesus said that if you get, he said, I truly tell you, I surely say, anybody, you can't outgive God if you give anything. For Jesus' sake, or for the gospel, there's a right now return. Don't miss that part. It's huge. Don't miss that part. Whatever you give up, you get better on the other side. If you gave up houses, you'll get better. If you gave up, I don't know how to give up brothers and sisters, but it, hey, it is what it is. It says what, what it says. Whatever, it's the figure of speech, not the literal concept. If you give up the things that are most precious to you. See, because even non-materialistic people, Jesus didn't have to go to brother, sister, mother, and father to the rich young ruler. He just had to put his finger on his money because that was what was most precious to him. Well, Jesus is talking to more normal people now, and he's going to the most precious things that you have. Listen, if you love your children more than you love Jesus, you got trouble coming. If you're more concerned about the house you live in than the God you serve, you've got trouble coming. If you love your family more than you love God, you're not entering into this agreement with the Lord. God needs to be first. Can somebody say amen? Amen. He said, You're going to get this, you're going to get it a hundred times over. You give anything for the Lord, He's going to bless you back, your socks off. But look at the last two words in the middle sentence right before the period with persecution. This is real gospel. Out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. See, fake gospel is when some lying preacher stands up and, and reads a portion of a verse and, and says, God said he's going to give you double for your trouble. No, it says that. In an obscure passage of scripture, uh, Double for, he, he might give you double heartache. He, he might give you double back pain. They want to, and they tell people, whatever you give today, there's a promise God's going to double it or hundredfold it. Some, some 30, some 60, and they just start quoting out numbers, and people start reaching in their pocket. I have seen. I saw Bishop Jakes one time sent out six people with push brooms. They, they raked up, they push broomed up so much money, they brought out giant trash cans, and they were filling trash cans full of money. On the promise that God was going to hundredfold every dollar you give today. That's not gospel. That's kind con- of, and I'm not bad-mouthing Bishop Jakes. Take it how you want to take it. I was there when it happened. I was there when after that happened, Rod Parsley stood up, and he said God just told him that there were a 100 businessmen in the room that could write a check for of uh, $1,500. He said, and if you come right now, bring your check, write it as you come. And people started coming out. This was manpower 1994. Uh, people started coming out no, 2004. People started coming out. They were writing checks. And he said, I, when you come, you, you're going to get the shake bishop's hand. I'm going to give you a free copy of my book. This book is so anointing you don't have to read it. You just rub it on your chest and throw it away. <laughs> what kind of voodoo is the church practicing? Does anybody know off the top of your head what 100 times 1,500 is? $150,000. 1,500 times 100, ain't that $150,000? Took it up that fast. Promising people a hundredfold return on it. Listen, when the Bible's literal, be literal. When the Bible's figurative, be figurative. If If you try to take out a calculator... On what you've given versus what God's given you. You, you, you're going in the wrong direction a bunch of different ways. Number one, you're proving that you care more about the money than the one you gave it to. And number two, you're missing the whole point. And you missed big these two words. You're going to get back. God's going to give you stuff back. But guess what's going to come with that stuff? Persecutions. Stop believing these liars on TV and on the radio telling you come to Jesus and everything's going to be all right. Come to Jesus, everything's gonna be all right in eternity. But you might go through hell by the acre on this life. Come to Je- God's gonna get God's gonna bless you. All your troubles are gonna go away if you'll just. Uh, there's nothing like that that says that in the Bible. You've got to be willing to receive from the Lord in good times. Are you ready? And bad, you've got to be willing to receive from the Lord when it blesses your socks off. And when it just wrecks you all the way around, you're always going to have trouble, the Bible says. Christianity is not a cure-all for problems. No matter what people on TV say, Christianity is about having a relationship with the only true God that there is so you can have peace in this life and heaven on the other side. There's going to be problems. Listen, I want you to get this. I want you to get this. There's problems even in blessing. See, pe- people that have always been poor, broke, and struggling, they don't understand that. They just believe if if, if they had a bunch of money that all their problems would go away. Now, the more money brings more problems. There's always problems. Problems are just different. I've been poor and I've been rich. There's, 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 there's always different problems, but there's always Some type of problem. So the real question comes, because this all contextually is talking about people who are going to get into heaven, people who have to give up stuff for the Lord. The the real question comes to say, are you willing to go through whatever you have to go through to get to where you want to go to? Did you get that? Are you willing to go through whatever you have to go through to get to where you want to go to? Now, common sense logic would say this. How much would you give up to escape hell how much of what you have would you give up to miss hell better be everything how how much would you give up to have a real active growing relationship with the one and true living god that should be everything but know this it is not a free pass against trouble People sitting back where, I just don't understand why I did everything right. I raised my kids in church and now they're all out there acting crazy. I don't know why my marriage isn't blessed. And just, I don't know why, I don't know why, I don't know why. What that tells me is they don't have a clear understanding of Scripture and they think that God is some type of genie in a bottle that if they just rub it the right way, all their problems will go away. That's not what Christianity is. Jesus said you'll always have trouble as long as you're in this flesh. We're not looking for a trouble-free life. We're looking for a God-blessed life. We're looking to have our mind follow along with what the Word has to tell us. But I need you to understand, you can't outgive God. I've had people tell me that. But people, we start talking about offerings and giving and stuff, and I've had people tell me, "Well, you know, Pastor Scott, you just can't outgive God." And I'm thinking, I ought to pull your tithing record to see if you're even trying. <laughs> Most people are not even trying. Most people aren't even doing the minimum. But we need to understand that there's right now blessings. They're bigger than what we give up. It's it's not a hall pass from all trouble because even in your blessing, you're still going to have things that you have to go through. So you get the right now hundred times with persecution. And, and means what? There's more. In the world to come, they will have eternal life. Now that right there is worth it all. I had a preacher tell me one time, "Don't get saved just so you can miss hell," and I've never—it's never made sense to me. I'm 50 years later, I'm still thinking. Well, I'm not trying to make hell. I don't want to spend forever in hell. I mean, I'm trying to do what I have to do to skip hell. The big news, the the bigger picture, because whether you live 50, 100, 150 years on this planet eternity is longer can we agree with that the 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 big life starts when we close our eyes on this side eternity will begin for us when, when we open our eyes in the next life and in the world to come people who have given up things for God have eternal life now we're a bible teaching church the bible is our only book for truth uh pure truth unadulterated truth we 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 study a lot here. I, I want to try to see if anybody can figure this out based on years of studying together. If the people who give up stuff, houses, brother, sister, mother, children, property, if people who give up tangible things get right now blessing and eternal life, let's just focus on the eternal life. If people who give up stuff get eternal life, what happens to people that don't give up anything? Do they get eternal life? Can't be. The the biblical law of inference infers here that these blessings are specific to the people who give up stuff. He's telling you the people who are going to get eternal life, they're the ones who had to give something up. Listen, you're going to have to give up something to come to God. Everybody that comes to God has to give up something. Some people will and some people won't. Some people do and some people don't. Some people will make heaven their home and some people hell will be their portion. And you got to decide where you want to fall in on that list. But I don't want you to be one of these Christians that just thinks that you got to struggle through every day on this planet just to get to heaven before you can start receiving your blessing. I want you to understand there's a right now blessing promised to you and you need to start walking in faith for your right now blessing. Stop being critical every time you have to give up something for God and just understand. God's going God is a giver. God God's going to repay me a hundredfold. God God's going to give me a right now blessing. Doesn't matter what I have to give up for him. It's better to do it than than to not do it because I can't outgive him to begin with. Rid yourself of you're getting the short end of the stick let me tell you something if you go into business partnership with a human being you might get the short end of the stick if you go into a covenant relationship with the lord our god you will never get the short end of the stick you'll always be the blessed one he gave up everything to get you if you ever really get that down on the inside you will not need someone to encourage you to read your bible daily If you ever get that down on the inside, you won't need someone to tell you you have to pray every day. If you ever get that down on the inside, giving tithes won't even be an issue. You'll be wondering how much offering above the tithe you can give. But this is what I need you to understand. The blessing is not just for heaven because too many Christians, they're just holding on. They're just barely making it. They're just thinking that life's just meant to be hard and a struggle, and, and I'll be okay once I get to heaven. God told me to tell you this today, you can be blessed now. You can be blessed now. Our website address is ALCF. If you've been here more than twice, you ought to know what those letters, really long name, ALCF Now.org. ALCF Now org i want us to understand that there's stuff that the believer can have now certainly the big thing is eternity but there's blessing that we can have now if you're saved and and you know heaven is going to be great but god wants this life to have blessings in it as well blessings with persecution not a bed of roses not not uh always on the top and that's why these cliches have wrecked the church. These cliches, people tell, they, they've taken away true theology. We've, we traded in Bible for cliches to where when I ask people how they're doing, listen, please, don't, don't, don't answer me this way. If I ask you, how how, how you doing? That, see, that's just going to drive, that's going to be like nails on a chalkboard to me. Uh, now, if that's why you're feeling and you're living that, then cool. But if I know you're busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted. If I know you're struggling on the bottom, if I know everybody in your family's acting crazy and calling you to pull, pull your wig out and buy new weave, if I know, that was funny, if I know, don't give me some, oh, I'm the head and not the tail, always above and never, you ain't always above, and you've been beneath this week. Well, I'm just trying to quote the Scripture to step into it. Listen, you can quote, I'm a hamburger. I'm a hamburger. That ain't going to make you a hamburger. Quoting scripture that you don't live ain't going to step you into it. There's blessing now. There's blessings in the life to come. Too many people aren't getting that reality. And too many people think, well, life's just meant to be hard, but heaven will be okay. I want you to know you don't have to get to heaven. To start enjoying your life if you're a believer. If your life is just always horrible and never filled with blessing and joy. So you're doing something wrong. If you're like. Now I'm not saying you won't go through. I'm not saying there won't be persecution. But if there's no joy. If there's no blessing in it at all. Then you're missing something very vital. God put us on this earth to bring him glory. To be salt and light. And, and the brighter we shine the more glory he gets. The Bible says it is our father's good pleasure to give us everything god wants us to be blessed so we can tell people i'm blessed because god blessed me a lot of people won't come to church because they already been to church and they didn't like what they saw a lot of people won't come to church because they think that church is a reflection of you and if you're miserable if, if you walk around looking like you've been sucking on prunes all week long, eating lemons all week long, scrunching up your face all the time, nobody wants that. Pe- people want to know that there's blessing in Christianity. John 10.10, the, the verse we got the name of our church from. The, Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they, might, they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. There is a duality in this verse. Say two. There's a duality in this verse. Jesus said, i am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. There is a duality here where he's referencing your eternal life and your right now life of abundance. See, because your level of abundance is largely based on your level of obedience in this life, everybody's going to have the same quality of life in heaven. Stop thinking. I've heard people say, I don't care if I'm just a street sweeper in heaven as long as I get in. There ain't going to be street sweepers and kings in heaven. There's going to be Jesus and worshipers in heaven. All right? So everybody's going to have the same quality of life. No, Pastor, the Bible says we can earn prizes and jewels and crowns and rewards. Yes, it does. But it also says that when we stand at his judgment that we'll lay all that at his feet and he'll be the only one wearing a crown in heaven. Get rid of bad theology today and get on the right stuff. I've heard people say, oh, I know Sister Jean. Oh, Lord, she's going to have so many crowns in heaven, somebody's going to have to carry them for her. Sister Jean's not going to have crowns in heaven. Sister Jean is going to present all those crowns at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ as evidence of how much Sister Jean loved Jesus. But the, the quality of life in heaven is going to be heaven for everyone. So he's talking about this duality of life here and life there. Life there, that's the life. Life here, that is where we can have it more abundantly. More indicates greater level, which means some have greater, some have less. Your abundance is measurable, and your abundance can go up or down. The life that you live on this earth can go up, it can go down but you got to learn how to tap into this abundant life that Jesus is talking about because here's the reality God didn't just save us so we could go to heaven one day that's not the only reason God saved us God didn't just save us so we could go to heaven one day if that be the case we'd already be there if the only reason God saved you was to take you to heaven what are you still doing here God has a bigger plan for us other than just getting us to heaven. He, he would have took us then. He wants us to live a blessed life now so that we can give him glory. It don't give God any glory for you to tell people that you're saved and you're having the worst life you ever could imagine. You, you, ought, you ought to give God praise for every good thing he does for you. Listen, there, there, there's more to this life than just getting to heaven. There's more to the faith life than just getting to heaven. Uh, we the Bible teaches us because of our relationship to God, we have certain privileges. We have access to him. We, we have things that should take place in our life. And people quote all these half scriptures and, and don't live them and try to make themselves feel better by saying stuff they don't possess. Oh, the Lord owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Yeah, he does. But well, how's that helping you if you're broke? You Call JA, call tell them that. When they call you, like, five-day notice on your lights, because we're cutting your electricity off in three days. Oh, don't do that. The Lord owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and he's my father. Oh, well, excuse me, Mrs. Jones. We're going to leave your life. It doesn't work that way. People quote these cliches, but aren't, aren't accessing these blessings, you got to learn how to access these blessings. Oh, the, the the Lord possesses all. He's an all-powerful God. He got up with all power. And we say these cliches and we quote these half-verses. Uh, well, yeah, he's all-powerful. Yeah, sure he is. They, they, they've got a theological term for that. Omnipotent. Of course he's all-powerful. Of course he got up with all power. But how does that help you if you're struggling and you're weak? we got to move past what we've heard and step into everything he has for us. Because he's got stuff for us. The, The psalmist said to rejoice in the Lord and to forget not all his benefits. Now, if I put a microphone in your face right now, if I just started with Elder Jimmy, worked all the way back in the room to Jessica, and I said, give me the blessings. Tell me all the blessings, all the benefits that you have for Christianity. Well... Heaven, that's awesome, but that ain't helping you right now. I mean, you you got to access some benefits right now. Say right now. now. Ephesians 3.20, the Bible says that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's right now. That's not next life. That's right now. The Bible says God can do more for you than you could ask or think. So here's what we need to start doing. We need to start asking, and we need to start thinking. Start asking big and start thinking big. Start believing big and start, and start receiving big. We've got to go from talking about it to accessing it. We've got to start believing the book because it's not, look, they did this thing. Where they did had it going all around, make everybody stand up, hold your Bible in your. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Maybe, maybe you ain't. You got a whole room full of people holding up Bibles, looking at Bibles, lying. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. No, you don't. Not most people. Uh, you got to do what the book says do to get what the book says you can get. Listen to Psalm 1611. The psalmist said, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, what good would that truth do if you can't experience any of that? What good would that truth do if you can't access any of that? See, the psalmist was accessing these things, not just talking about these things. And I want you to be honest with yourself right now. Don't say it out loud because I don't want anybody to be bragging and I don't want anybody to feel bad. But I want you to think in your own mind, are you really walking in the blessing of God? Are you really walking in his divine favor? Are are his blessings overtaking you? Is his presence overshadowing you? Do you feel the presence of the Lord everywhere you go? Because it's only in his presence. Look at what the verse says. In your presence is fullness of joy. Now, let's just be Bible students for a minute. If fullness of joy is found in his presence if you're not in his presence guess what you don't have okay fullness of joy you can have a little bit of joy you can have transitional joy you can have a little bit of uptick and downtick you can be on that christian roller coaster on fire for god down in the valley on fire for god corkscrew twist flip throw up get sick fall off never want to ride that ride listen god did not design christianity to be like a roller coaster God wants you to set your course and keep your eyes on Jesus the whole way. It's, it's, see, this is what happens wrong, though. So many times people come in Christ, and they just take off on a wild sprint. And they sprint for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, and then they just fall out and quit. Christianity is not designed to be a short series of sprints where you run and stop, run and stop. It is a lifelong commitment. It is a lifelong marathon where you just keep on moving closer and closer to God. Because it's in his presence that you will really find and have fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. If I had something that you wanted in my right hand, and you really wanted it, and it's here, guess what you got to do to get it? you got to come here and get it. If you want the pleasure that God has for you, God has them. you got to go to God. So many people wonder when God's going to show up in their life, not even how it happens. God said, draw close to me, and I'll draw close to you. So we're sitting back wondering, well, when is the Lord going to show up? He showed up 2,000 years ago on Calvary. He let people weaker than him crucify him. And then he raised himself from the dead. So that we can have access to all these things. But we got to draw close to Him if we want Him to draw close to us. Now, the drawing close to Him is difficult because you got to give up some stuff. You can't come to the Lord's table with dirty hands. That's it. You, 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 can't, you can't walk in the presence of the Lord with foulness on you. God doesn't accept that. The Bible says his eyes are too holy as to even look on sin. So, so you got to give up some of your foulness. you got to give up so your, your sin. you got to repent of the things that you're doing wrong to get in his presence where the joy happens. See, if you just walked an aisle, prayed a prayer, think you got saved, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But if you're just out there living far from God, you don't have his joy. If you're just out there living away from God, you don't have You don't don't have the pleasure that he has for you. we got to learn how to make this book personal. I said said because we know God, we have certain privileges, certain benefits, certain blessings. I'm going to give you a few of them. We're going to get out of here. Number one, I'm going to talk about abundant things this morning, abundant salvation. Abundant salvation. The Bible offers salvation to everyone who will receive it. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is abundant in as far as it's open to everyone, but it's also huge to those who have it. You ought not just to say, oh, yeah, I'm saved. You ought to realize, man, I'm abundantly saved. I'm saved from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I'm saved from my past and my future. I'm saved from my then and my right now. I'm saved all the way around. Salvation is a big thing. Jesus said that you must be born again. I have, i've had people ask me and typically it came from atheists agnostics non-christians and catholics i was born into the catholic church i was confirmed as a catholic i, I went through catechism uh, they, they taught me about the catholic church and they let us know we're not those born-agains and i've had lots of Catholics ask me are, are you one of those born-again christians it really got that that question got really popular in the 80s because ronald reagan was going around telling everybody he was born again And so that, you know, you hear the president using a phrase that a lot of people didn't use. People started asking, are you one of those born-again Christians? Let me make it clear for you this morning. There's only one kind of Christian. That's a born-again Christian. You can't get to heaven without being born again. Jesus said you must be born again. So if you call on the name of the Lord and you really are serious about wanting a relationship with God, he's going to give you a big-time salvation. Not an up-and-down, in-and-out salvation. He's going to give you a salvation from head to toe. Not only abundant salvation, but number two, abundant joy. Say joy. joy. Ooh, listen to what Peter said. Now, Peter knows. Peter knows the Lord. Peter had his ups and his downs, but he knows the Lord. And in 1 Peter 1.8, he said this to us, Whom having not seen, you love. In whom now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, there, people, I've had people come up to me and tell me about these visions they've seen and that the Lord showed up to them. Uh, in their bedroom and talk to them listen if that's you that's you but I can tell you what you're not nearly as blessed as the rest of us who haven't seen that because the scripture says uh, you're blessed because you've seen but even more blessed are those who believe and have not seen all right so keep that in mind the promise here is we love somebody we haven't seen does anybody feel that way We love somebody that we can't see right now. We believe in somebody that that we don't see right now. And if you will do that, your joy will be so big, you won't be able to put it into words. Now, most people aren't living that kind of joy right now. Most people aren't so happy that they have a hard time expressing it. They're, They're too busy rehearsing their misery. They're too busy complaining about what they don't have. It's hard for God to bless you when when you're so busy complaining in His face. God wants us to have joy unspeakable, full of glory. I'm talking about an abundant joy. In Romans 14, 17, God said, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. People were wondering about, well, can we eat this? Can we drink that? Well, what are you going to do to these people? Hey, look, It's bigger than that. It's not just meat and drink. It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. If you ever get saved for real, your life is going to have a level of righteousness. It's going to have a level of peace, and it's going to have a level of joy in God's Spirit. It can be more. It can be less. But these are the promises To the children of God. I want to tell you something. God never shafted anybody. God never gave anybody less than what they deserve. But he surely has given some of us way more than we ever could deserve. Let me give you one last one and we'll go. Thirdly, abundant victory. And this is where I want to live. This is where I want you to live. This is where I want the world to see God's children live in Victory In 2 Corinthians 2.14, the scripture says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. You need to change your perspective, church. You need to change your vocabulary. You need to change what you rehearse out of your mouth. God always leads us in triumph. God always wins the war. Now, if you study war, you'll find out you can lose lots of battles and still win the war. You you can have lots of setbacks and still win the war. This verse doesn't say anything about never losing a battle. This verse doesn't say anything about never having a setback. But we need to realize we're on the winning team. Our God wins. Everyone on his side wins. He's leading us in triumph through adversity, through persecution, through losing a battle here, losing a battle there, but always on our way to victory. 1 John 4, 4, oh, people love to quote this. People love to quote this portion of a verse. I only put a portion of it on the screen. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, that's great. That's truth. That's big time. But not if you're not living it. If you are overcome with sin, if you are overcome with temptation, if you are not following the the commandments of God, if you are not spending your time loving on God, you can say, "Well, greater is he in me than he's in the world." Well, why is the one that's in the world dominating you so bad? Listen, I don't care who you are. If I got uh Amy Ochick. Standing behind me telling me he ain't going to let you beat me up. You ain't going to beat me up. I'll just tell you, steeper is better than you. Fight if you want. Listen, if you are really walking in the things of God, then the devil can't whoop you. People can't whoop you. Situations can't whoop you. It doesn't mean everything's going to go fun and easy, but you're going to have a confidence in the middle of it all. God's about to show up. God's about to turn this thing around. God is going to lead me in triumph. There's victory in the name of the Lord. Oh, we ought to go buy us some of them old red back Baptist hymn books and turn to page 475 that said victory in Jesus. There is victory in Jesus. But the church walks around acting like there's nothing to be happy about. Uh, and, but all the while saying, but greater is he than me. Then why are you still stuck on everything bad? Stop talking about it and start walking it out. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcome the world, even our faith. It's not your faith in your faith. This is voodoo. This is heresy. This is New Age hocus pocus. Where if you believe it, you can receive it. All you got to do is believe in it and keep believing it. Listen, that's faith in faith. Biblical faith, and that's, that's just, that's the secret. That's the handbook. That's the notebook. That, that's the law of attraction. That's every other spiritual guru, New Age foolish voodoo that, that ain't scriptural. Scriptural faith has to have God as its object Jesus said have faith in God you got to have faith in God and if you have faith in God and you've been born in God this world is something you can overcome well you don't know what my children are putting me through you ain't the only one you think people ain't had crazy children you're not the only one the Bible says the same struggles you go through, your brother and sister going through throughout the whole world. The difference is some people are walking in victory because they're staying in faith. They're believing God the whole time. Your faith is not your ability to believe something. Your faith biblically is your ability to believe God. Can you believe God for your situation? Then your situation gets smaller. Can you believe God for your finances? Then your struggle gets smaller. you got to learn how to access these truths. Romans eight thirty seven says, In all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. This, this, this type of life is not being lived out too much in 2019. Woe is me. When I'm going to get mine. Why so hard? Why am I always going through? Well, the reason is because we are not making God our top priority. Because if you ever get God as your top priority, Jesus already promised everything else will fall into place. What did the Lord say in Matthew six thirty three? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and what? All these things shall be added unto you. Everything that you need will fall into place when you get God on top. Because the blessing flows. From the top down. Listen, conquerors don't wait for life to happen to them. They go out and make it happen. We need need some get or done folk in this room. We need some my dad is in charge of this whole world folk in this room. We need I don't care what you say. I know my God is more than enough folk in this room. This is the word of the Lord. But following God is a decision. It's not about quoting some random verses that you never intended to live out. It's about a decision. And if you begin to decide to follow God, you can be blessed right now. You don't have to wait to heaven to get blessed in Christ. You can be blessed right now. You can have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost right now. You can have an abundant life right now. You can have His benefits right now. If you begin to follow God, you can walk in all that right now, and you can live out the verse I read to you earlier, Psalm 1611. It says, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore this don't say in front of the tv is fullness of joy this don't say following your hobby is fullness of joy this don't say your family your children your job your career your 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 hidden agenda that it's in god it's getting closer to god it's drawing closer to him till he draws so close to you that you can just smell the atmosphere different you can just feel the atmosphere different you can just know that God is so real in your life then it'll make your troubles look less and less the hymn writer said the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace when you get God on the front page you start seeing all these other things as little things and you stop letting the devil torture your mind thinking that these are the Big things. Those aren't the big things. Those are the little things. Heaven and hell is the big thing. God and the devil is the big thing. What you are going to do with the truth, that's the big thing. So here's my question. Are you full of joy? Are you walking in the blessing of God? Listen, we got an opportunity to make an impact for Christ in this life. We've got an opportunity to bring God glory in this life. Listen, this is the only chance we'll ever have to live by faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. We won't be living by faith in heaven. We'll see him face to face. This is our only opportunity to have a faith walk. This is our only opportunity. Today is the only day that we will have to have an opportunity. Now, we've been talking about it all week long. Tomorrow, uh, my, my son Jake turns 18 years old. And, and so we've been, amen, and so we've been all week long. This is your last weekend as a minor. I told him yesterday, this is your last Saturday as a minor. Listen, I already told my kids, hey, there's, there's certain things, there's like people think, well, what? you can't do nothing at 18, You're still in high school, still, still got a, uh, you know, you can't, you can't drink, you can't, uh, what, what, what's the big deal? Well, you, hey, grown men can hit you in your face now. <laughs> and not go to jail for beating up a child. But we've been talking all all week long about oh, this. Your last Friday. As a minor, this time next week, you're gonna be grown. In your mind, <laughs> we need to have that same type of day by day mindset right now. This is the last August 18th. 2019 we're ever going to have to give God glory this is the day the Lord has made we're not promised the next day you got to get a right now faith you got to step into this right now there's benefits there's blessings that can be accessed but doing what you're doing they're not going to get you there if you want more you got to do more if you want better you got to do better because we reap what we sow we got an opportunity to make a big impact with our lives But that's going to take a wholehearted commitment. Last verse I'm going to read to you. And this verse has been big to me for a long time. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you shall seek me and find me. Look, when you search for me with all your heart. A different translation says with your whole heart. You don't find God on half-heartedness. You don't find God saying, well, I'll try. I I, I saw a bumper sticker one time says, have you tried the Lord lately? And it was a play off a Ford campaign that was going on. Have you driven a Ford lately? And they were trying to make all these Christian sayings uh, come off the world. That's the problem with the church in 2019. We've copied the world so much we've lost the power of the church. You don't try the Lord. You give everything to the Lord. You commit to the Lord. You give Him your all. You search for Him with your whole heart. I'm one of those people, just like many of you. I walked an aisle, prayed a prayer, thought I was saved, told people I was saved, but I'd never really been born again. I'd never really changed from the inside out. And so when the preacher would say, if you want to get saved, you need to walk. The aisle, I'd sit there and think, well, I guess I'm all right because I've already done that. But I never had real salvation. That didn't get me real salvation. It doesn't matter how many times you've tried to get saved. You need to continue to call on the Lord until you get saved. Because maybe last time you didn't come with all your heart. Maybe you were holding something back. Maybe you had an agenda. A a subconscious agenda you didn't even know about. But God's promise is that we will find Him when we search for Him with all your heart. That works for salvation and that works for blessing. The only way you get saved is if you search for God with all your heart. And the only way you're going to walk in these benefits is if you search for God with all your heart god did not give his best so we could give a little god did not send his perfect son jesus to live the perfect life and die on a cross and be ridiculed and strip naked and beaten and killed so that we could just think about him one day a week i hear entertainers and athletes say oh well i always give one day a week to the lord I'm thinking well that ain't special that's not special We've been trained to believe, and and, and the the world standard just keeps getting easier and easier. I don't don't know about your kids' school. My kids go to school in Clay County, uh, public school, because I believe private school just costs too much. Uh, (laughs) But in Clay County schools, a 90 is an A. Now, y'all know if you're my age or older, I I graduated at Ed White High School. 90 would have caught you a B at Ed White High School. 94 was an A. 87 would have caught you a C at Ed White High School because 88 was a B. We keep lowering the standards and lowering the standards and lowering the standards so people can feel good about themselves. Listen, I don't care if you're giving 90% to God or 94% to God, That's ain't an A. God is not not grading on a 90 to 100 or a 94 to 100 scale. God is grading like they graded us in the army, Sergeant Major. It's on a go or a no-go basis. This is on a pass-fail. That's all there is. And 99% is not a passing grade for God. God is looking for... what He didn't die 99%. He didn't send his 99th best to come and die for us he gave it all and he's the god that said you reap what you sow if he gave his all for us don't you understand he's expecting our all to be given for him This is why the church is not walking in abundant joy. This is why the church is not walking in abundant salvation. This is why the church is not walking in abundant victory. Because we're throwing that uh, that little dab of do your religion at God. Just toss him a little something every now and then and think he has to bless us. This is not Bible. That's false religion made by man. God expects it all. He deserves it all. And in his greatness, even though he deserves it all, in his greatness, he said, not only will I give you eternity in heaven, I'll give you a hundredfold blessing right now. Why aren't you serving God with your whole heart? Why are you calling yourself a Christian but holding back? Why why aren't aren't you walking in these blessings that God, what is so important in your life that you'd rather hold on to that than to be truly blessed by the true and living God? I'm going to close with this simple question. Are you all in with God? Are you all in with God? are you still half-stepping? Get all in with God. He'll get all in with you. Don't be like the rich young ruler. He he gave God his morality. Jesus told him, you got to keep the commandments. He said, I've kept them. Jesus didn't say you hadn't, because he had. He gave God certain things, but it was something he was holding back. And if you read the text, you find out he went away sorrowful, not blessed. He went away without God, because there was something that he was unwilling to give to God. What are you holding back from the Lord? Don't believe the lie of the devil that you can't give God that one thing because that's the one thing that you need. The one thing that we need is God. And he'll give us everything else that we need. Don't hold back. The old-time church used to talk about those three T's. People have gotten away from it because they're scared to tell the truth in 2019. But People used to say, you got to give God your, your time, your tithe, and what? Your talent that's still true today you won't say you love God you won't say God's everything you got to give your time to God some people feel like coming to church is a burden coming to church is a blessing you get to rejoice in God and be around people that love the Lord people think that giving money to God is a burden giving money to God is a blessing because He promised to bless you for giving it so people think serving God uh, is, is so, such a burden it's not a burden if you love Him we got to get all in with God I don't believe there's a whole lot of time left I don't know how much worse this world could get bombs going off people getting murdered mass shootings trouble on every side if there's ever been a time if you ever thought there'd be a time in your life where you truly would get all in with God now is the time the Bible says today is the day now is the appointed hour Whatever you have to do to get all in with God. If, you, if you're not saved, you ought to ask God to save you, and He'll do that. If you are saved, you ought to repent of whatever's holding you back, and you ought to press in, and you ought to do it. Listen, it's cute to put it on a door knocker. It's cute to put it on a doormat. It's cute to put it on a T-shirt. But you ought to live out that thing that people quote when they say, As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I want to make a declaration today. I'm not going to have a big invitation. You make decisions you need to make between you and God. If you need to get saved, get saved. If you need to uh, get some things right with God, get some things right with God. But I want to make a declaration today to the Lord and to everybody that's listening. Because I know there have been areas where I could have done much better. I know there have been areas this church could have done much better. And I'm not going to put it on a door knocker. And I'm not going to put it on a t-shirt today. But I am going to say it out loud from my mouth for all the world to hear. As for this church... We shall serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord at abundant life. We're going to be true and honest with God at abundant life. We're going to walk in His blessings, and He's going to overshadow us. We're going to shine for Him. We're going to take this message to the world that only Jesus can save you. Only Jesus can deliver you. Only Jesus can get you to heaven. Would you give God praise? I want everybody can stand on your feet and just give God 30 seconds of praise you're physically able, just give God 30 seconds right now. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Somebody ought to say thank you, Jesus. Come on and bless you. Hallelujah. 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 Pray, pray with me. Pray with me. Pray with me. God, we love you and we thank you for loving us. God, we choose your way today. We recognize you as the only true God, and we thank you for giving to us, and right now we pledge our all. We're all in with you, God, and we know you're all in with us. Thank you for blessing. Thank you for joy. Thank you for peace. We receive everything that you have for us, and we lay everything we have at your feet freely and willingly because we know that you are God alone, and there's nobody like you. Thank you for loving people like us. Thank you for saving people like us. Thank you for filling us with your spirit, God. We love you. We Thank you, God. We give you everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.